betting. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Bet with the Best podcast. Its mission is to explore better ways to bet on races, to seek out new, successful players, and to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. The Bet with the Best podcast is sponsored by Amwager, an ADW built by horse players for horse players. Speed, power, and ease of use are at the core of Amwager, designed to give players the information and tools they need to quickly make anything from a simple win bet to a complex, structured superfecta or pick five wager. When you combine that with data and pool updates that are up to 60 times faster than the competition, Amwager is the clear winner in wagering on races online. Those are just a few of the many special features that Amwager has to offer, along with live video and race replays, free integrated form to win past performance information, conditional wagering, and true odds, which are a prediction of off odds based on all available pool data. That and much more. Amwager is licensed and operated in the U.S., and best of all, they will actually pay you to play. If you sign up now and deposit and bet $150, you will earn a $150 lump sum bonus. So there is no reason not to give Amwager a try. If you want to bet with the best, then you need the best tools to wager with. You need Amwager. Welcome to episode 21 of the Bet with the Best podcast. In this special episode, we're going to vary from our normal format to focus on two main themes. The first is developing a more systematic approach to handicapping, and the second is using a fair odds line to help translate your handicapping opinion into good bets. Joining me this week will be Fairgrounds Racing Analyst and Notes Writer Kevin Kilroy to provide some examples using some races from this Saturday's car at the Fairgrounds. So welcome, Kevin. How's it going? Chris, it's going great. Thanks for uh, for thinking of me for this. Um, you know, I, I, I've listened to to all the bet with the best, and uh, in no way do I fit into uh, into that same. Uh, upper echelon so uh i know this is a whole different sort of uh piece and a new 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 way you're approaching it i'm excited to be a part of it um but uh yeah i appreciate all the work that you've done and and getting those voices out there and i've been learning from from each and every one of them well great and this is your chance to add to the library which is what i'm trying to do create a library of kind of evergreen content that players can use to help improve especially those that are getting started or are kind of in a rut and want to see what they can do to move forward um, and don't don't underestimate yourself. I chose you for a reason because you know one of these themes that I'm going to talk about. The first one, developing a more systematic approach to handicapping. I think you have a, a good systematic approach. In a little bit, I'm going to let you describe what that is to um, the listeners. And I think that's really important part of becoming a better player is establishing a process, establishing a baseline, a systematic way that you approach every race, every time, 
um, and, and that that systematic approach is comprehensive that makes sure you look at all the horses in the race and evaluate them. Um, if you do that and you establish that kind of baseline, that gives you a way to evaluate your performance over time and you using that feedback, make changes to your process so you can get better. Um, if you don't have that baseline, then you really have no way of systematically improving things. I mean, it just tends to be random. You know, if you're using one method one day and another method next day, um, you know, you, you, you don't really have that, that chance of improving. So I think that systematic approach is really important. And then the second part about using a fair odds line, you know, you do kind of identify what you call a value line. It's not quite the same as a fair odds line. We're going to talk about that. But I want, what I want to get people to understand is even if you do a great job of handicapping, you need to then translate that into a bet. And that's not necessarily a straightforward thing to do. And I think one great tool for doing that is creating a fair odds line. That gives you a basis for figuring out, all right, given, you know, if you can create that fair odds line based on your handicapping opinion, that is the best way to identify value, especially in the wind pool, but even in the other pools. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about what a fair odds line is and how you'd use it. And we're going to do that. Um, we're going to take your handicapping opinion We're gonna that we're going to go through on a few races and actually create a fair odds line that we'll then use to talk about how to bet the race based on that. And I'm not gonna talk about how to create the fair odds line. I'm actually gonna be doing that um, in the background using a little tool that uses some math and computer to take your subjective opinion and create an odds line. Um, I'm just gonna leave a teaser out there that I'm working with some other people to try to create a tool that does this for people so you don't, you can create a fair odds line without having to do any math or have any you know, computer skills. Um, just having a good handicapping opinion is all you will need uh, to create one. But you know that's uh, that's something for the future. But um, for now, just assume that I'll be in the background creating that. But it's all based on what you're telling me about the race, and that's the important part. It's just a reflection of your handicapping opinion, and we're going to talk about how to use that to make bets and keeping what I call the golden rule of betting. And that is making sure that every bet you make reflects your handicapping opinion of the race. If your opinion is this horse is an underlay and a bad favorite, then you should never be betting it to win. You know, if you think this horse, the ceiling on this horse is to hit the trifecta, you should never be using that horse in the in the two spot or to win. You shouldn't be boxing it in tries or boxing it in exactas. It should only be in that three hole. So just that golden rule that your handicapping opinion always reflects, I mean, that your bets always reflect your handicapping opinion, that'll lead you to much more efficient betting. And we'll talk about that more with some specific examples. But um, to get us started, why don't you, Kevin, talk us through kind of what your handicapping approach is and talk a little bit about the product that you put out on the um, fairgrounds website on the days where you do analysis for their races kind of you know how that reflects that systematic approach that you use to handicap a race yeah definitely um so what i've been this is the first year i've tried to give 
you know, more than just, um, you know, sort of a top pick or, t- or one, two, three, that sort of thing that, uh, that we typically see with, with public handicappers and something that uh, Joe Krisovec and I have been, have been talking about. And I know he's, uh, he's pushing that conversation through on Twitter too. Um, so I've been doing something that I call my, my playbook. And it's, it's basically uh, just a way of, of, you know, the way you're, you know, you're, you're speaking of it being systematic, right. And having, having the sort of same way of approaching not only your handicapping, but then how you, you know, I think you know, how you take that hand, handicapping opinion and, and put it into the market. So by sort of spelling it all out, my opinions to, to as much detail as I can, I can, I can see, you know, where, where I should attack, right. I can see where um, I might be able to, uh, you know, find the races that really make sense to multi-race wagers, find the races that make sense with exotics, et cetera. And um, the way you're talking about fair odds, um, I think it is that missing component to what I have, or if I have that in my playbook as well, I'm looking at this and I can just, just sort of kind of stay true to it and, and look at it as that same sort of way. Like this is, this is what I have to work with, with this card. And, and I want to uh, execute it accordingly. So what I do is I've got columns, I've got top pick, right. Uh, who I think is, uh, um, you know, who, you know, most likely winner. Um, but also, um, with the way that I'm seeing it, right. Not just in terms of, um, you know, most likely to be, to be bet hard, right. Not most likely to be the favorite, not most likely, um, to win every time, but most likely to win this race on this day. Um, and then I've got my win contenders, right. I come up with, with the horses who I think could also have a good shot of, of winning, um, and definitely can, can be finished first, right. Not that's not just get a piece and that sort of thing. Then I come up with a column that's, uh, in the money contenders, ones that Toronto, you know, second through fourth, the ones that, you know, I don't usually play the, uh, um, the, uh, blanket on the, uh, <laughs> that I ever play at the top five. Right. Um, I don't play that one, but uh, then I have tosses, right. That's a key column. The horses that I just think, you know, won't run at anything. And then, long shots, win potential and favorite thumb against. So I have these columns and what I'm trying to do is see, you know, if, if I've got a horse that I, that I love, like, you know, race one on Saturday, Aztec Empress, you got know, this top pick. I've got one horse that I think can win. I've got no, nobody in the winning contenders. So I'm seeing that as a single, right. I'm also seeing that as possibly, um, you know, a key, you know, on top for, for an exotic, for a vertical exotic. Um, but then I'm also trying to see, where, you know, not only where, where the vulnerable favorites, favorites are, like the first five races, I've got two vulnerable favorites, um, and I've got none. I've got one. I've got one in the, in the, in the second five, right? So maybe it'd be, it'd be more, you know, behoove me more to, uh, to play that early pick five, right? Because I, I might be cleaning some more value uh, off by, by fading those favorites. Um, so I'm going into all those details. Then I'm also trying to think in terms of, are these in the money contenders? Um, are they going to get up a piece for a third? You know, are they are they closers uh, on that fairgrounds track when you know speed hasn't been holding well? So I really don't want them on top at all. Um, and I'm trying to identify. And you you know you, you're kind of pushing me in this way in, in, in the conversations that we've had to to really just identify. All right, third's the best they're going to run. Second's the best they're going to run. Fourth is the best they're going to run, et cetera. Um, with my value line, what I try to do is just try to think in terms of, all right, wh- 
what's the price that I that I would actually be interested in putting a, you know a win bet behind this horse? You know, because you know morning line odds they just they just you know they they help guide you. Um, but you know, I think with most tracks you just see a lot of variation, and um, you know sometimes you might think you're getting value, and um, you know you look up and your, your horse is uh, you know fairgrounds specifically you look up and you see your horse is uh is the odds on favorite you know when, when the when the tow board lights up so um trying to have that line there so i know when to push in on a win bet because i think a win bet key to my to my arsenal you know when i have a horse that i like and i'm getting value for it i definitely want to make that win bet um every time um so that's basically what, what the way i go about it you know and then all the handicapping underneath it uh, it all sort of begins with trying to get sort of a sense of, of, of what the, the par is just from looking at the horses in the race, the speed par, the speed figure, or the form figure, right? I look at Thoroughgrass, I look at uh, Time Form US, I look at Brisnet, I look at, I look at um, uh, buyers as well. I've got access to all that stuff. I've got it all. Um, I lean on Thoroughgrass specifically um, and immediately sort of, you know, cut out the horses that just haven't run to those top numbers those numbers that I think the best horses, you know, the fastest horses in, in the, the race are going to run. And then, you know, I look at pace and see how that is going to compromise things one way or the other. And then I start digging into the real um, sort of the dirty work of it all is why a horse sort of maybe uh, will, will run better than uh, we've seen in the past. Right. Why might that may improve bad trips, all that sort of stuff. You know, I watch, I watch replays. Um, spend lots of hours doing that. So I'm always looking for, for reasons for them to step forward, um, whether it be a form cycle reason, a trip angle, um, et cetera. Um, so that's all underneath and that sort of informs how I slot these horses into these, uh, these categories. And you, you put that out there and, and your value line typically is the, what you would consider to be a playable price for your top pick, right? That's the way yeah. you, it shows up currently. Yeah. So yeah, like, it's um, not price. And, and I think fair odds is something that I, I, I don't, um, I haven't spent much time thinking about. So how do you, how do you think through, how do you, how do you go just define the difference between fair odds and value line? How do you talk about that? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what, let's hold off on the fair odds line. Um, Okay. All right. Well, okay. let's go ahead. Since no, no, no. Question, you, let's yeah, start. Let's go into. It. No, that's all right. Let's do it. So, okay. uh, let's talk about fair odds line because some people might not have any idea what we're talking about. So, a fair odds line really represents what you think is the the break even price on a horse. So, like if you think a horse um, should be at three to one odds, if you were to bet on that horse, you, know, you had an opportunity to make that bet or similar bet a thousand times or a million times you'd basically break even at that three to one price that's what you're saying this horse is three to one at three to one it's a break even bet it's not worth making the bet because i'm not going to make a long-term profit but it's not an underlay or overlay that's your fair value price or fair odds on that horse um you know of course the way you use that if it's three to one fair odds then if you're the price you know that your anticipated price is higher than that then there's the potential to make a long-term profit and if it's lower than that and those are what we call the overlays and then if it's lower than that then you would lose money long time making uh, you know over the long run making that bet so those are what we call the underlays and so what you're trying to do with that fair odds line is identify 
especially you know simplest thing in the wind pool can i bet this horse to win with an anticipation anticipating making a long-term profit and and notice that that the fair odds you can find value you know places where you have a, a price at at post time or anticipated price at post time that's higher than your fair odds line may or may not be your most likely winner. I mean, the win bet may be your second or third or fourth most likely winner um, based on your opinion of the race. So, and that is often the case. Typically, most likely winners are favorites and favorites don't typically offer any real significant value. They can, you can find a short price favorite that for some reason you think is just, the, the, even, even though it's a favorite, the public's underestimating you know, it's likelihood of winning and it would be, you know, show up as being a, a, you know, a value play based on your fair odds that can happen. But at least in my experience, that's doesn't happen that often. Typically the value plays are getting beyond that favorite. And, you know, without a fair odds line, if you haven't assessed what the fair odds are for each horse in the race, it's really hard to identify those kinds of horses, you know, especially if you're just focused on what you think is the most likely winner, all the fair odds line is going to tell you is whether or not that's a win bet, but it doesn't tell you, well, if it's not, is there some other win bet in this race that I, based on my opinion of the race? So, you know, that's why having a comprehensive systematic approach that evaluates every horse and creates a fair odds line for the field is so valuable is that you can make those decisions um, and be flexible about what you're going to bet you don't want to you know fall in love with a horse you want to fall in love with a bet and in order to fall in love with a bet you have to understand what you think a fair price is versus the price that you're getting um so that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about that's that's so huge i mean coming into the sport you know it's definitely um and it's into gambling it's 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 all about you know it's always all about that top pick right and who, who i like to win who do you like in here right who do you got in this race all that sort of stuff and I, you know i've been working hard to get away from that and i do find you know when i get back into my you know public handicapper role you know while i'm at fairgrounds it almost like a lot of, a lot of the work that i that i do to try to to counter that kind of goes out the window sometimes because here I am, you know, with my top pick, this is the one that I get judged on. This is the one that we keep stats on, et cetera. And, um, and I, and I'm, I'm sort of talking about it on, in that way. So it's, it, it becomes difficult because I don't think that's, you know, the, the, the best way to approach it in terms of, of figuring out how to, how to bet, you know, betting the race versus just betting the horse and betting the market, you know, thinking in terms of markets, right. And thinking in terms of, you know, all those biases that we do sort of build up when we do uh, fall in love with a horse, when we do sort of attach our, you know, our identity with the horse, like, oh, this is my, my pick, my, the, the horse that I, that I doped out, you know, this, this is the one. It just isn't, uh, it doesn't create for, um, for systematic or logical or, uh, you know, effective betting for sure. So, you know, I've, I've been doing the value line on that, um, on that top pick that I have just to sort of like push, um, you know, people who are, who are checking out my picks. Um, in that direction to be thinking along those terms. And yet the more that we can do along those lines as public handicappers, because a lot of times, you know, we're the ones that, uh, um, that people who are just getting into the sport, maybe listen to, or, or maybe uh, tune into, or just at least sort of, you know, check out the picks and that sort of stuff. Um, the more that we can do that, it, it, you know, kind of countering that and finding new ways to, uh, to offer up our opinions, the better. So I'm excited for that. And, um, you know, I, I wish I did, 
a better job of coming up with a value line or a fair odds line. I think I, I kind of think of it in the same way and, and you can keep on sort of uh, uh, talking to me, you know, in, in terms of uh, how I, maybe I'm not seeing it there, but yeah, I'm trying to think in terms of what I think the horse, you know, what's their likelihood that they're going to, they're going to win this race, you know, and that in terms of a price, right. The probability, the, um, and the odds that they're, that they're, that they're offering me. And if it's more than that, then I think it's, it's, it's a good bet, you know? Um, and, um, and I, and I, for me, that, that translates into, you know, a profit over a year, right. A long-term sort of profit scenario. Um, but maybe there's some more subtleties there that you can, you can help me help guide me through, but the more I can have a value lines for those, you know, those, even the tosses, right. Even the horses that I, that I don't think have, have a chance, um, will help me to, uh, yeah, help everybody think through how to, how to attack and how to build a bet. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, um, the, the problem with making a fair odds line is if you're not a kind of a math person and you don't think that way, it's hard to do. Um, but if you have a system, what we're going to do today is you're going to give me your opinion of every horse. And then I'm going to behind the scenes, use a little math and computer wizardry to create a fair odds line based on your subjective opinion. And so you don't have to do all that math. And, um, then, you know, I'm not going to talk about how I do that. Um, but I am going to, you know, like I mentioned, I'm working with some others on a tool that hopefully we can make available to players where they can create fair odds lines without having to do any math. Um, and that's kind of where I want to get because I think it's such an important um, tool for really identifying value. So we're actually going to do that. You're going to walk, we're going to walk through a race or multiple races and each race, you're going to tell me your opinion of each horse. And then I'll create the fair odds line using your opinion. And then we'll talk about what that means in terms of betting. Um, that's kind of what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, hopefully people will see the value. I mean, it really is kind of a, just a totally different way of thinking about it. Once you do start thinking that way, it's really easy and natural, but um, most people don't think that way and they really are focused on winners and they would never dream of betting any horse other than who they think is the pick or the most likely winner. Um, sometimes they'll only bet it if they get what they think is a good price, but many people will play the horse regardless of price. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the kind of thinking I want to try at least, you know, for people who seriously want to try to make money long term or at least improve their results over over the long run you know you need to get out of that kind of picks mindset and really more into the betting mindset and what's a good bet rather than what's you know the pick and so we're going to try to show the value of that and show how we can um you know someone like you with a sharp opinion that's and a process for you know evaluating the horses we can take that and turn it into an odds line it's not that hard if you got the right tool and then with that you can you know talk about making you know some good bets based on your opinion and following the golden rule of making sure all the bets match your opinion of the races so that's number rule number one you know make sure every bet you place 
is consistent with your handicapping opinion. Um, if you're violating that rule, <laughs> then you might as well not have an opinion because you're not using it. Um, now, if your opinion's no good, um, it, it doesn't. It's not. None of this will help. But if you use, <laughs> but if you use a systematic approach, and including, you know, creating a fair odds line and betting using that, you'll get and you track your performance. You'll know pretty quickly that your opinion is not very good, right? Because you're if yeah, you're making. You about making, why you're, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're making uh, bets that are match your opinion and you're um, only betting into what you think is value and you're losing, you know, ter real, terribly over a long period of time, that tells you that your opinion's not very good. But if you don't do that, you'll never know how good your opinion is. You may think it's great and it's lousy, or you may not think it's that good and it's, you know, you're better than you think. But until you have a baseline, that you can evaluate your performance on and you're making, you know, are consistent with your handicapping opinion and where, and you're only betting where you have, you know, where you think you have an edge, um, you know, it's even tracking your performance doesn't tell you much. So yeah, let's get so started. I'm seeing value as we talk race, race, uh, three, two minutes to post a fairground. I like this 10 little GT. Has been uh, in some tough pace scenarios, the forward runners, much softer pace today. Six to one was what I was hoping to get. We're looking at 10 to one. So I'll, I'll keep us up to date on that. I put a little bet in there while you were talking. All right. And that probably wasn't your most likely winner in that race, right? No, Optimus Cat is, and that's the even money horse, and I'm not going to touch it. Uh, Optimus Cat is even money, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. So that's a great example where you have you, you had more than just a price for your most likely winner, you know, fair price. You had a fair price in mind for another win contender. And it turns out that's where the value is, which, again, isn't unusual. Typically, the favorites don't offer a lot of value. And it, that's just a great example. If you had that a price for every horse, you know, you can quickly make that evaluation um and identify where the value is and it may or may not be your most likely winner it may even be your third or fourth most likely winner but you think that horse is still a win contender and you know the the price is greater than what you think it should be so that's exactly the mindset we want to try to create with every player um is you know identifying value you know trying to find that edge and bet into that edge and and so let's let's get started let's pick a race right, to get which, started on. Race, um, you want to start with, uh, what are we talking about? Race, how about race nine, the Menards? All right, let's start with that one. Um, let's walk through, you, know, you can walk us through that race um, and give me your opinion on each of the horses, and we'll turn that into an odds line and then talk about how to bet it. So let's roll okay. with, uh, with the race nine. This is Saturday, race nine at the fairgrounds. The Nelson Menard Memorial Stakes, it's five and a half furlongs on the turf for fillies and mares. And uh, we'll see what um, Kevin thinks about this race. What's his opinion? All right. So this is a five and a half furlong turf sprint. And we've got uh, we've got nine fillies and mares in here. Um, you know, the horse that I, that I like the most in here um, is the number five. Ouvre, uh, Chris Block, uh, five-year-old mayor, 14-time winner. Um, you know, d 
has been going long the past three, has been going a mile or six and a half at Kentucky Downs and, you know, a mile at Keeneland and, uh, and, and proven that uh, she can get the distance. But she's, she's, you know, she swept the, the turf sprint series at Fairgrounds last year. She's just, a, just an all-out, um, honest, um, fast, tactical filly. And there's not too much speed signed on. I think Karimba uh, will be the uh, the front runner. It depends on how the number one going good breaks, which has been a problem for that for that Cox mare. Um, so Uvre, I think, can sit right off of that front runner and um, and you know and get first run by and, and hold off everybody. Now there's a little bit of a, a wild card with with Uvre's that last three races she's been bolting it, at, right around the eighth pole. So just so just bolt out. And um, Chris Block's trying to figure out how to how to correct that, and, and he's making a little bit of equipment just to, adjustments he was telling me about yesterday. And um, uh, you know, Loveberry, he, he's well aware of it. So we'll see um, sort of what's going on there in the mind of that uh, and that Philly that's making her bolt um, for seemingly no reason. But um, she seems like uh, she's the one that I, that I love in here. You know, if, if the price is too short, obviously I, I like her a lot less. Um, Karimba is, is, you know, my second pick in here and, um, she, you know, come out for Ray Hernandez, she ran huge at Churchill Downs on September 24th. Um, one of those big races that makes you wonder, all right, is she going to be able to get back to that form level or is she going to be kind of just sort of, you know, um, trying, but never, never getting there, but being bet like she could run back to that, to that number. So she ran great in the Panzeretta, but it wasn't too tough of a field. And, you know, the second place horse going good, um, had a, uh, you know, another, another tough time out of the gates, but still was able to run well towards the end. So Karimba, you know, proved that she didn't need the lead. She was able to press and she was able to, um, to uh, take over pretty early in the turn and, and, uh, and pull away. I think she, she could be interesting though. She could, I don't know if she'll offer much value, but she might just be the, the lone speed, you know, the commanding speed at this five and a half furlong distance. Um, she had a great work on the December 29th. She seems like she's doing good. Um, but I'm just not sure if she'll be able to get to, uh, to the number that she has in the past. And I'm not sure if she necessarily needs to, to beat these, especially with that pace set up. So I think she's, she's extra dangerous in there, not only because of her form, but because of the pace in here. Um, so let me, so let me ask a question. So let me ask yeah. you a question between those two. Do you think, you know, Ovra is more likely to win significantly more likely to win than Karimba or are they about the same? More likely to win. Um, okay. Yeah. So you I, really I do think... have kind of one at the top and then Karimba's the other contender, but not, not quite at the same level. Yeah. I would say significantly more if, if it wasn't for the pace setups because the pace seems like it, it, it plays in Karimba's hands. Uh, it could, you know, could just allow her to be bold and, uh, and just dig in while, uh, she's trying to be passed there in the stretch. So, okay. um, but so, so now I'm, I'm still not sure. So are they, is, is, is it just a little bit better? I mean, are they about the same or are there, is there really a difference between their two in terms of likelihood of winning a significant difference? Kind of sounds like you're hedging a little bit. Are they, are they about the same or is, is Obra is, you know, better, more, more, more likely, more, more likely. likely. To, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Five. That's good. But not, right. I just want to make sure. All right. Okay. Great. If that means I, I, so. Uh, no, that's good. I just want to make sure that you think one's a little 
you know, a notch above the other, and they're not about the same. So it sounds like you do. You're, you're leaning. You got a lean, uh, not a super strong one, but you're lean, uh, a lean um, on the five over the three. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. My horse right. did not win it. Was, was in a good spot, but couldn't finish the deal. Kind of the same race that, uh, that he's been running. So, damn. Okay. So the, <laughs> yeah, come on, focus here, Kevin. We got to focus on on the on the ninth. Uh, I'm tomorrow's I'll be, I'll be, ninth. Okay. Yeah, just as a periphery, just saw that. Uh, but Poppy Flower, you know, there's two there's two horses in here that I, that I think um, are going to get get bet because people are like, all right, why are they shipping in? Bill Motson and Poppy Flower are in, um, and then uh, Peter Yurden is sending uh, this Brandon, my lawyer, um, and, and of the two, you know, I, th- I like Poppy Flower more. Uh, but is a, uh, you know, is a closer and, um, you know, Ben Curtis, the jockey just suits, suits her really well. He's, he's a patient, patient rider. And he really gets horses to produce their, their, their big run in that European way, you know, just really a, a, a nice, um, you know, gets them to, to show their turn of foot. But, um, you know, she, she'd been, she'd been running well. She, when she won the, the grade three, I think she had a little bit of a, uh, um, a nice, go with the the rails were down and she was on the on the rail you know through the turn she did tip out and and, and move pretty well to get by bubble rock but i'm not too impressed by bubble rock um she ran you know decent fourth to roses for deborah but that was a short field um she's been facing some you know some tough sprinters dance macabre and some other ones um i think she likes this five and a half for a long distance but i think um she just might not have this the pace setup that she needs to uh to win so i think she'll be an underlay in here um but i do think that she she'll she'll get a piece um and then brandon's my lawyer so you have the ceiling for her 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 ceiling would be second then yeah her ceiling i have as uh yeah second i think she could get second in there um and then the number two not a not a but just she's not a strong win contender though she's really the her ceiling is second yeah and this is this is something right. that I do though. When when I'm when I'm handicapping, I'm also thinking about the price, right? I'm thinking about I think she's going to be an underlay, and I, and I you know of course she has a chance of winning, right? Um, but I don't want to put any money behind her winning if that makes and sense. I, and I think what we we want to do though is we want to we don't want to conflate those two things. We want to do a good assessment of their chances of winning, so we can create a good fair odds line, and then we let the fair odds line and the price tell us where the value is so we All want right, this to be an assessment of the, not, always not you don't want to complete you know this is step one we're trying to understand what should the fair odds be on this horse and that is you know what that's based on its likelihood of winning so whether or not it's value or not we're we're not worried about that right now we're just trying to assess the likelihood of winning and then you know, price will tell us if it's if it's a value or not. So, right, um, right. do you think this horse is a win contender? You know, on the level of um, Karimba. Yeah. You do Definitely. okay. Yeah. So, all right. So we're not not necessarily that you're going to bet it, but as a win contender, this horse is kind of you know just like you think Karimba is a win contender. Poppy Flower is a win contender. All right, great. Okay. So that that's the way you want to think about it. It's not don't conflate the value piece because that that comes later. Right now we're just trying to say what assess how you know what's the likelihood of this horse 
winning so we can figure out if it's going to be a value play or not. Yeah, that's that's huge because that is something that's just all mixed up in my my thinking as I'm handicapping, right? I'm, I'm trying to uh, to get get ahead of all that and try to think of how they're going to get that as I'm as I'm making my opinion about uh, whether I, I think they can win, and that um, yeah, that can be a, a <laughs> definitely a, a conflation um, confusion. Yeah, because and I'll tell you what, one of the reasons, first of all, to make a good fair odds line, you have to really know assess every horse's chances of winning, um, you know, just independent of its price. But, you know, what happens with that thinking too is, you know, you're fading poppy flower because you think it's not going to be value, even though you think it's a win contender. Well, what if the horse goes off at eight to one, you know, right? all of a right. sudden, it, it, but, and, you know, so you don't want your fair odds line to say it doesn't have a chance when you really thought it did have a chance. It was a contender. You just figured it was not going to be a bettable contender so you know we're trying to separate those two things out that's the whole idea of the fair odds line is it gives you that transition it enables you to transition from picking winners to making good bets that's where the fair odds line that's right in between those two things that helps you transition from one to the next but you still need to have a good handicapping opinion understand who's going to win you know who you think is going to win and then um you know, that, that you still want to do that independent of what the price is going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to go on too big of a tangent, but it's just, it's just, that's really good to hear. It's really good to talk about because I'm always trying to notice my biases. I feel like I'm, they're, they're just, they creep in on us, whether, whether we like it or not. Right. And I'm trying to, to identify my own. And um, even if, you know, as soon as I just like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm trying to beat Poppy Flower because I think, that she'll be overbet. And I think people are going to get all over this Bill Mott horse just because it's a Bill Mott horse and coming from New York, as opposed to uh, facing this Illinois bread and this Indiana bread, you know, Bray and, and Karimba. And then, yeah, I, I just might not ever get back to really looking at her seriously at the windows again, because, because of that, right. Because the way I sort of slot it and, and put it in my playbook and that sort of stuff. Um, and that's, that's not good. Um, so this, this is super helpful. Um, to think well, through. Yeah. And also if you underestimate that horse by conflating the price with the likelihood of winning, then you're likely to overestimate the horses you like their chances of winning. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to mm -hmm. make, you want to factor it all, you know, you know, if that horse is a win contender, if it's another win contender in this race, that's going to, you know, lower the chances of the other contenders winning and your odds line is going to reflect that. See, which you want it to do. You want it to be kind of your honest opinion of their chances of winning. And then, you know, we think about value um, after we've established kind of what the fair odds are. Okay. All right. So here's some more win contenders then that I, that I was maybe thinking more in terms of second and third. You know, number one, going good um, doesn't win very often. Just one win out of the last uh, 14. But uh, it's honest. Um, always trying, you know, always, always finishing in the money. I think we've got uh, nine out of the last eight of the last 10 in the money and just has, has some sort of gate issues over the past couple um, has the rail here. Uh, you know, James Graham, we see the riders are just switching on going good all the time. So this will be the second time in a row that Graham will be up. Um, and he's a, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a nifty rider. You know, he, he definitely, especially on the turf course, he, He's always thinking he's a heady rider. So um, if the break goes well, going good 
could trip out from this rail spot and uh, could have sort of that perfect stocking position and have enough horse. And of course, coming from Brad Cox's barn, you know, always, always, always dangerous. Um, less likely, you know, very less likely, I think, than the other. Not very less likely, but less likely than the other three. Um, but going good could win. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, but it, it sounds be- like. Maybe there's a, a chance it wins, but you're thinking this is more of a underneath horse, like a second and third versus the win. Yeah, yeah, but definitely, definitely could win. You know, I think, I think. Um, but you yeah, say, I, all right. So let's 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 talk about the, the contenders you've had. You kind of got the five of Wa on the top. You got Karimba and poppy flower at that next level and you're saying going good's a win contender but even a level below those two is that, that how yeah. you're looking yeah. at it yeah okay all right okay so let's keep all going right. let's get through who can get uh get second um number two brandon's my lawyer um hasn't raced since uh that day before that that breeders cup since that breeders cup friday um been you know racing a bunch on that downhill course at uh at Santa Anita and some, some five furlongs at, at Del Mar and just really hasn't hit third graph I think just sevens is what we're seeing would, would need a, a big step forward um you know in that same way sometimes you just want to stay away from horses in their next start after the Breeders Cup I, I think I'm kind of kind of leaning in that direction with Brandon's my lawyer you know Ship it in here. Why? Maybe just to get the distance. Maybe to get you know, doesn't have a stakes win. So maybe they're thinking it's going to be softer here at fairgrounds. And really, this is not a soft turf spread at all. So I don't think it's maybe the field they were hoping for. Um, so uh, Brandon's my lawyer. I think could run well. It definitely is is is, uh, is game through the wire every time I've, I've watched um, every race that I've watched back of hers. Um, but uh, I think just. Uh, it's just a little bit of a of a notch below those other three. So he's more of an underneath then. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the so, other, only other one that I think can get a piece would be the seven, um, ready find from Michelle Lovell. Um, had a perfect trip last time, you know, stocked and just was there and kind of kind of one pace. Really didn't produce any any late kick. But uh, third start in the form cycle, and, and Michelle's barn has just really heated up recently. Doncho and uh, just Mike got the win, and she had sultry last recently. And it seems like maybe her barn's uh, swinging back up, and I want to want to be ahead of that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it would probably be a pretty good price on Ready Fine. Still pretty lightly raced. Honest always shows up and does seem to be able to get a piece um, wherever she does show up. So. Um, I would say uh, third would be the best that uh, we can get, but Ready Find is is interesting underneath. So between Ready Find, is that how you pronounce it? It's not Redefined. It's Ready Find. Is that how they say it? Uh, yeah, you know what? Do, uh, Dewey and I were talking about it, and I, yeah, we we agreed Ready Find since it's more than ready and it's spelled R E D I. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is or, Ready Ready Find at the same level as Brandon's My Lawyer, or a notch below? Notch below. Okay. All right. And then the rest are tosses, right? Four Stella Noir, six Sweet Temperament, and nine Breeze Easy. All those are tosses. 
tosses. Thank God. All right. Like You're not going to, you wouldn't use them on any of your tickets. All right. So I think we've got through the whole race. And so now we've got an odds line and, um, block every people can't see that right now who are listening. Um, we, like I said, I will tweet it out this fair odds line, but, um, basically it identifies two horses that, um, where the, at least the morning line is higher than the, well, what based on your, your opinion and my machination, say your fair odds line would be. And that's, uh, one is your, your most likely winner of your fair odds line or the fair odds line, our joint fair odds line, let's call it is, is two to one on that horse. And the morning line is seven to two or three and a half to one. So there's some good value there. Um, if we think that morning line is going to hold up, uh, then that could be a win bet for you. Yeah, you know. That, Do that you think that morning line will hold up? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think the one thing that that, that she has going for her is her trouble with bolting recently, and that could you know dissuade. I don't, I, mean, I don't. I think that's maybe too narrative for a lot of you know the the, the betters, the big betters out there. You know, not her, her figures are great, her form's strong. She's uh, yeah, I think she'll be less than that morning line. And two to one is what I had written down. It's just my my gut instinct as as a value line for me. You got to be higher than that, um, that or higher. Um, so it's interesting then, though, just to point out what uh, yeah. our fair odds line and the the price that you had in mind for this horse came out in this case at least to be the same um yeah which is yeah kind of interesting so you know i just i'll i'll volunteer one thing about the lugging out you know i think this horse is really a sprinter i think she's just getting tired in these route races that's why she's lugging out i think cutting back to a sprint she's much less likely to do that that so that's just my own that's the that's the and and talking to to block he was saying he he, he thinks that she's best going further so we'll see, you know, but that's what I was thinking too, is just, just, she, she's just, you know, she's better. She's, you know, she's just getting tired or something's going, you know, she's going too far and, and maybe in the end she can get the distance, right. And she, she tries all the way through, but yeah, something else, these little, little mechanical difficulties or something happens, right. As she's just going further than she wants to. So, yeah, I think, I think the sprint's going to, going to hit her right between the eyes. So do you think, though, what do you think her off odds are going to be? And what we're going to do tomorrow is I'm going to actually look at the will pays and calculate an estimated off odds based on the will pays, which will be better than the morning line and better than our guess. Um, but for now, do you think you're going to get that seven to two? If not, what do you think that off odds will be on on the five in this race? It, it, it's It's going to be interesting with those two shippers see how much the market really, really, uh, kind of, kind of goes for them. It's sort of what steam they kind of come, come with that, uh, that, that I'm not privy to. Um, I, I would think assuming that those, you know, the Mott horse gets bet pretty hard in here, which I think, you know, I think, uh, I think she will, I'd say, you know, five to two would be kind of, would be my guess, be my morning line odd on the, on Uber. All right. And so, there you're getting a little bit of value. And here I want to talk a little bit about this because, um, you know, when do you <clears throat> pull the trigger on a bet? If you got a fair odds line of two to one, you know, and you think the price is going to be seven to two, well, that's pretty obvious. That's a bet. 
But now, if you think the price is more likely to be five to two, and, and let's say we look at the will pays tomorrow and the horse is going to be five to two, you know, is that a win bet? And, um, you know, if in theory, it, it, you get, you're getting some value there and long-term you should make a profit. But the thing you have to keep in mind is there's some errors, errors involved. And, and one of the error bars you have to put around is just your, at your fair odds line. It's not perfect. You're going to be off, sometimes high, sometimes low. So, you know, it's two to one plus or minus something. You know, right. there's always an error in your fair odds line. Plus, your estimate of the off odds is going to be, you know, even the five to two estimate based on the will pays could be off. Um, uh, you know, you may get a bigger late odds change one way or the other than you expect. So, you know, you've got error in your ability to, under, to estimate the off odds. You got error in your ability to estimate your fair odds line. And so my rule of thumb to people would be, you know, you want for lower price horses, a couple clicks above your fair odds line to pull the trigger. If it's a bigger price, it's, a, it's more like, you know, a 25, I, I just say like a 25% cushion. So like on this horse, two to one, you know, one click of the odds board is five to two. Two clicks is three to one. And when I say clicks, the old-fashioned odds board where you don't have decimal values. You know, you just got the old tote board, totalizer machine out on the on the infield. So, you know, for me, you know, three to one would be pull the trigger. Five to two would be, you know, be some value. Maybe it's a horse I want to think about keying and some other bets where maybe if I can combine it with another horse where there's some value, I'm getting value. But as a win bet, I usually look for that, you know, a couple of clicks or 25% edge before you pull the trigger. So for me, using your odds line, you know, I'll, I'll look at the will pays and I would say, okay, if I'm going to get three to one or better then I'll, I think it might be worth playing this horse to win. Uh, anything less, probably not. Um, does that sort of make sense? And how do you, do you do anything similar? I'm just curious how you approach that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, that, that's one thing why I stay away from short odds horses a lot is because not only um, um, just thinking that it's you know it's, it's a big wager to to not get much back on, which is just certain isn't what appeals to me about about the gamble. But also, um, you know, keep, keeping an eye on the way the you know the late money comes right um that can can drop you below um pretty quick so i'm also watching sort of when the money's coming in on a horse is it coming in early and is, is this kind of drifting up throughout if so then you know if we started off at four to five and then all of a sudden we're you know we're, we're at five to two i'm thinking all right maybe we'll we'll, we'll sort of ah, i don't know we might, might probably drop down just another another notch but um if it's if it's sort of continually approaching you know that if it's kind of coming in um, just slowly being fed in, you know, I'm thinking maybe, you know, they're going to keep on feeding it down up until their, their point that they want to hit it. Right. Which might be, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, but the advantage of using the will pays so, for the doubles is those are locked in. There's no very, once, once that prior race is over, all the money that's going to be bid and that those, that pool is in. So you're not going to, you're going to know what, your estimated off odds. It may be quite a bit different than what currently on the tote, but kind of the assumption is it's going to be more accurate. And that way it will kind of tell you where you're likely to see a late odds drop. You know, if the double will pay, say this horse is going to go off at, 
five to two, and it's seven, you know, four to one on the on the tote right now. You know, even a few minutes before post, then you're probably going to see that late odds drop. Now it may not always happen, and it may not always come down to exactly what's on the double wheel pace. But those are probably a better estimate, or I, I'm I'm almost sure they're a better estimate than what's on the win tote. And you know what was on the morning line, so yeah, that that's kind of so that so right. that you kind of don't have to be you know you might still if you're smart and you follow this kind of stuff it sounds like you do you might know sir earlier bet late and you can factor that in so you might say you know what um, you know I know that this horse is this in the doubles pool it's this in the wind pool but I know these guys tend to bet into the wind pool and then so I it's probably going to be lower than that double price so you can always adjust even the double will pays based on your expert knowledge of how you know certain horses get bet um and you know if you you're like the computer modelers like a tony joe or dennis matoro or keith bush they even have more sophisticated models that factor in everything that all the stuff and try to estimate those off odds but usually the double will pays are not they're, they're pretty easy to get and and they're fairly accurate they're not perfect but they're an improvement over just following the wind tote, a live wind tote, or using the morning line. And so that's kind of, I think, your best bet if you make a fair odds line is just to kind of use those will pays to figure out what you're going to bet and just kind of ignore the wind pool unless there's something just really crazy in there. But kind of just assume that those will change the differences between that double will pays and the wind pool are going to get corrected and probably corrected um, if the, you know pretty severely if there's a big gap you know you know right at the end um, like you see yeah. a lot of times you see that yeah. quite a bit especially with the lower priced horses you know if they're the favorite six to five in the doubles and it's two to one in the or five to two in the live tote you can pretty much bet that there's going to be a pretty big drop at the very end. Um, you know, in that horse's price. Not always, but typically. And it may not always come down to what the double will pay says. Sometimes it may overshoot it. You know, I've seen that happen. So, you know, but anyway, the, the bottom line is I think your best bet is to use the double will pays or, you know, pick three to estimate what the off odds are going to be. And again, that takes some math. And again, you know, I'll I'll do the math for us. Um, and you know, it's not that hard to create some tools to help players um, know what those are. In fact, if you use DRF Formulator, um, you can get that uh, estimate of the off odds based on the double will pays right in the DFR DRF Formulator tool. Um, there are some ADWs that provide that, and um, there are even some tracks now that are starting to show that information, um, you know, on their live feed. So, you know, it, and I think over time that it's going to get better. So I think it, you'll be able to get that kind of information without having to do any math. If you can't do it now, you'll be able to do it soon. And if you use some of the tools like I described, you already have that information. So yes, let's assume... When I, when I look at this race, I, I see my opinions about this race. I think uh, I'm probably not going to bet this race, you know, because I, I just they seem to, that they're going to be in line with the uh, with the public, right? When I when I think I'm in line with the public, I'm not seeing an edge, right? So, right. but then uh, as you're saying, you know, you can't bake that in 
before you get there, we got to see the market and see how, how it's taking shape. Um, what do you think? So, well, so let's of, just uh, say for right, right now, they're off 20, you know, 28.5 to one. Um, I mean, that's, that'd be an interesting price, right? That'd be a very interesting price. Um, so, so how, how do you, that, how do well, for first, with these other odds in here and when, okay. you know, what do you think? In terms well, of first, firing, let's, let's you know, just, and Dutch and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, let's talk about the same. I just want to. So, just to sum up on the five horse, you know, your fair odds are two to one. You're not anticipating that you're probably going to have a price that you want to bet to win, but at least what your fair odds are, and if you're surprised by the tote, you could act on that. So that's kind of where you're not anticipating a bet there because you think the morning line is probably too high. Um, but yeah. we'll wait and see. You know, maybe maybe it isn't. Uh, the other horse, just based on your opinion and my calculations, that offers some slight value, probably not enough to win for sure. But I mean, just where your fair odds are lower than the off price is actually the the eight horse poppy flower that we talked about. And I think if that's another one where you anticipate the the price to be lower than the you know nine to two morning line. Um, is that fair to say? I mean, you've already said that you think they're going to bet the Mott horse down below yeah. that. Yeah, um, um, so even your fair odds line right now is you know, just slightly under four to one at 3.9. So, you know, it's saying nine to, again, you know, that one click of the odds board is not enough to bet. You need a couple of clicks, but you you anticipate, if anything, that horse is going to be a lower price, not a higher price. So you've got sort of your two. Um, based on the morning line, you got two potential plays, but you're kind of anticipating uh, that that morning line might be off. So now the question is, is there any other win contenders where, um, you know, you uh, maybe that those odds are going to float up? And you only had, you know, one other. Well, you had a couple. You had Karimba. Um, and he's an under, you're not anticipating him to be above the three to one or, you know, what do you think that morning line is about right for him? You know, I think, I think, you know, coming from Ray Hernandez, you know, betters are, are, are quite familiar with, you know, with, with, you know, him and, you know, the trainer, the connections. I think that Karimba is going to be interesting to see how they bet Karimba. I think, I think she could go either way. I think she'd be a bet very hard. Or I think they could sleep on her, and I, I don't. That doesn't change, you know. I, I think she definitely got a good shot um, to uh, to be competitive in, and possibly win this race. Yeah, and I'm looking at the odds line, and there really isn't any anything close to an edge for anybody. So this looks like a race where basically, you know, especially with your anticipation of you know maybe it's the morning line being off on the couple of horses that the public's going to get it right, right? And that's going to happen yeah. a lot, you know? The yeah, public's totally. going to get it right. And typically, the smaller the field and the less competitive it is, the more likely the public's going to get it right. And that public includes lots of sharp money, right? Including the, the teams. So you're not always going to find a race where you've got value. And that's, again, where the fair odds line really helps. It tells you this is a race where, you know, you're probably not going to get a bet. Now, you did the work, and maybe you'll be surprised at the price prices on these horses. So you can always act on that if it happens. But going into tomorrow, this isn't a place where you're licking your chops to make a bet right now. No, no, it's not. And that's you know, 
that's that's the worst part when you do the work and you're you're like, all right, <laughs> yeah, here we go. And, yep. and that's a good point. You know, pool selection is really important. And there's sort of two things to factor into that, you know, our, our race selection. One is, um, what are the kinds of races that your, opin your opinions are the sharpest? So, you know, you like maiden races or turf races or sprint races or route races or races at certain tracks. So that that's one. And probably, you know, try to, so you don't waste a lot of time, try to spend time on the races that you think are fit your strengths. And the other is, Typically, the bigger the field and the more competitive the field, the more likely you're going to be able to identify some value. So, you know, if you kind of focus in on picking races where you've got a big field that's probably competitive and um, you have, uh, you know, the kind of race that you're comfortable analyzing, that's probably where you want to focus most of your time. That's where you're more likely when, after you've done the work have identified you know some value so that's a really good point that we you know that that's worth making now it and that's again kind of why uh playing you know win bets and maybe some of the simple vertical bets like wins and exactas are the way to go because that way you can be real selective about the races you play and you're not forced to play races in a sequence where you're playing horizontals that you might that might have a small on competitive field or there's not much chance to find value and it might not be the kind or and or it might not be the kind of race that you you're very good at handicapping you know that that's one of the reasons why you know vertical plays may be a better way to go especially you know, depending on your level of skill um, than horizontal plays. Because horizontal plays, unless you're very robust in your handicapping skills and you're sharp at all kinds of races, different surfaces, distances, class, um, it's really hard to have a good opinion in every race in a sequence. Whereas if you're playing, you know, just a win or vertical plays, you can really cherry pick the races. So that's just something else to keep in mind in terms of trying to improve your long-term results. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. You think that the next race is more horses in there. Maybe we can find some, uh, yeah. some value. You want to do the 10th? Do you want to look at that one? Yeah. The 10th. All right. Let's do the 10th. This is a, a classic, uh, you know, race 10 or finale race on a fairgrounds card state bread. Um, we're either sprinting or we're going this short turn mile. It's a huge field. And, um, there's usually a lot of horses that are sort of familiar with each other and there's some class droppers. Right. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. So we're going this one mile, this, this short stretch mile, you know, um, got that, that first finish line, um, at fairgrounds, state breads claiming 5,000 with these conditions. I think it's hasn't won two races since July 6th or hasn't won four races four-year-olds and up and it's um you know it's it's made extra um um just challenging because uh, a lot of these horses are exiting that december 16th race um in the slop that uh sort of had an interesting race flow to it and uh was kind of an outlier on, on the day in terms of it was kind of an off the pace day but that was a it was really a forward flow race and then um We've got, uh, you know, some AEs in here, too. We've got a full 15 horse. Uh, 12, you know, are going to run, but 15 uh, could possibly uh, 
file up if they uh if um anybody scratches now so i you know i've watched all these races back watched them all back recently and have a good sense of these of these horses and you have these state brand horses they, they can kind of cycle in and out of form and all that sort of stuff um and it's, it's still hard for me to get away from this uh number nine war count shane wilson um has been uh just putting his horses in all the right spots and and they've been and they've been running well he's uh He's, you know, the, the meat leading trainer right now. He's got uh, a lot of things going for him. He's got the confidence of his of his owners, and um, he's uh, he's put them where they where they can win, and um, nobody's arguing with him. And um, Workout has, you know, basically the same setup as as last year, December seventeenth. Hadn't raced since August twentieth. Came in at a claiming twelve thousand five hundred, and you know, lost by you know just a half a length to an next out winner unanimously. I think that was a Chris Hartman horse. Um, like Mike was in there too. Tough field. Um, same setup. You know, haven't seen this horse since September fourth, and uh, you know the, the figures that you know that uh, that he ran all last year should beat these, and no one really is going to go with him. I mean, there's no other forward, front running, need the lead sort of type horses. Um, Guerrero's great on the lead, the jockey is, and uh, it's hard. It's hard to go against Workout in here. Um, but so, so Workout, Workout's kind of on his own level in terms of likelihood of winning in the here. Yep. Yep. All right. Beyond him, number three, Wise Guy, I think is uh, is interesting. I don't know this this trainer very well, Gene LeBlanc. Um, newly, uh, you know, second time start coming out of uh, his barn, but, um, that, uh, that 5,000, uh, starter allowance last time, that was a much tougher race than this mm-hmm. on December 8th. Fast break was, uh, Robert Falcone, um, steamer who, uh, was kind of just in that spot, um, to get the win and, um, uh, you know, was much the best and that there was another steamed up horse that, uh, they dueled and you know, just that one folded, I think after, uh, after fast break beat him, keys included had a tough trip, but that's a, that's a tough horse, um, who's run well. And, and wise guys put some good figures out there, um, tactically just sort of, you know, doesn't really have a true identity. I think that the break is, is going to be key, but draws in a good spot, assuming that a lot of the horses aren't coming down and uh, making that first turn tough for, for wise guy. Um, Deshaun Parker, um, is up on this one again, and he tends to be a patient rider tends to, uh, you know, if he's got the horse be in the right spot. So wise guy second start in the form cycle has run the figures to get it done, but could just be up against it pace wise. You know, if there was more speed signed on, I'd, I'd be, I'd be more interested in wise guy, but definitely in that second tier of horses that I think could win. Then we've got, uh, Interesting one, steal it back, the number six. Yeah, the six, seven, and 12, I would put in that same. I'm sorry, let me, let's go to J.B. Gray, number number 11. That's that's my next, uh, next win horse in here. So J.B. Gray is a, a, a horse that uh, ran a good figure there on, uh, I think, at 12, um, on third wrap on November 30th, and um, overcame a tough draw and a carousel race flow. So that was that was a good one. Um, it was that 
basically at the same race there on November 30th, our Freddie Mac was a Shane Wilson horse, went to the lead and, and you know, never looked back. Next race there for J.B. Gray, uh, got sent early. And this is against much tougher field. You wouldn't know it, you know, just looking back to class level. But uh, when you win, Crusader Express, Rexless Ransom, a bunch of uh, horses with back form that uh, were dropping in here and just sort of uh, just trying to get the win. But uh, got squeezed and uh, uh, by a horse coming down onto the rail and had to be uh, steadied and taken back and really was kind of over at that point. But then ran well at the end and galloped out nicely. And I, I understand why we're going two turns here with J.B. Gray, um, four-year-old who, you know, could show us some more and could just sort of be uh, dirtied up from those last two races. Third start, changing riders. Raquel Mace had some, had some wins. Seems to have found some live mounts here and there. Um, no wins for the trainer yet. Hard to love on the win end, but uh, the one that in terms of like, and this is something I do, Chris, where I find like long shots that I think, all right, I want to, I want to, maybe I want to be alive to this one, you know, in a multi-race wager, right? I, want, I don't want to throw my money through J.B. Gray by any means, but uh, I might uh, have a couple tickets that do do end, you know, in, in J.B. Gray because it's just it's the, the value is going to be there in a, in a major way or should be um, the way that I'm seeing it. So he, so he's uh, a win contender. This is this is one of the things. Like, is he a win contender, or is he just he's interesting if the price is right? And I guess it's back to what we were talking about before, like not conflating what I think the value of the horses right. and with. My so just handicap. just don't think about price at all. Is is he a win? Is he as likely to win as Wise Guy? He is less likely to uh, to win as Wise Guy. Less likely. All right. But but so, all but, right. Yeah, I, I could. This is one, you know, in my handicapping in terms of a horse that that, that could step forward. Um, this one could step forward. I could, you know, going going long, we could see a better run, and also those were those were. Tough. So if he steps forward, can, so I, so so he, but you do you think he's a win contender? It sounds like you do. Maybe not at yeah. the same level as Wise Guy, but he has a legitimate chance to win. It's not like oh yeah, they all have a chance to win. This guy. Um, you know, you'd be consider making a win bet on him. Yeah. If yeah. you had the right, you know, everything's always, if you had the right price, but this is one right. where, you know, if you're putting your tiers of contenders, you've got four count on top, you've got wise guy below, and then maybe a notch below, but still a win contender. You've got JB gray. Is that fair to say? Yep, it is. All and right. I've got a couple more at that same sort of level as JB gray. At the same level as JB gray. Okay. And yeah. Are they? Um, number six, steal it back for Patricia West. Uh, steady twice in that last race, uh, once early, once late, and uh, got fanned out at the end. Yeah, you know, sort of heard it out and fanned out really wide on that. And it was a sloppy track and over six, you know, not even been in the money on a sloppy track, just doesn't seem to, to run well there. Um, race before, bumped a foe out of the gate. And just got outbid late, and it was a, a wire to wire winner. Alone speed horses in that race on November 25th and 50 was the only speed took them took them around. So I think steal it back um, could win, and uh, is it, interesting in here. Um, that it, I mean, this, a lot of these horses have a, have a good a case to be made for them. And um, you know, I'm I'm in a capper's seat. This ten year old. Um, Caught five to six wide throughout last time in the slop. Um, before, bumped out her foe out of the gate. 
near the back on the rail, game for second in that same race with Ann 50. And uh, loves this distance, runs well at fairgrounds. Um, Tanner Tracy's having a good meet at the trainer and gets a little bit of a weight allowance here. And Kylie Wellington's been riding pretty well for, for an apprentice. So I'm going to cap her seat, give, give a, uh, in that third tier of, of win possibility. Um, and there's just to be, to be a little bit more uh, brief about it. I mean, number two, Arctic Rose. And um, number five, Gallant Star. Um, so, like, these are, these are horses that I, I feel like they are going to be overbet because that last race was a really good flow for them. And um, I just never trust, uh, or I try not to trust that the form is going to hold up at this, this sort of level, right, in terms of this 5,000 level state bred. And, uh, you know, they, they, they make sense. I think they're going to make sense to a lot of betters. And I know I'm talking value in here. It's underneath it all. Um, but they, they've, got a, they've, got a, they've got a chance of win, a chance of winning. I, I guess, I guess you've got to put them in that second tier. I'm just trying to get all my value out of my head. They're, they'd be there with uh, with Wise Guy, uh, Gallant Star, and uh, Arctic Rose, the two and the five there. All right, so hold on there because I, I want to make sure I caught up to you. So right now we've got War Count kind of at the top here. We've got Wise Guy, and you added in Arctic Rose and Gallant Star at that second tier. This is just likelihood of winning, not value, um, right? Yep. And then yep. – then you have a third tier of horses you think have a chance to win, but they're kind of that third tier that steal it back in whatever the catbird seat. <laughs> I'm in the catbird seat. What a terrible name. <laughs> JB Gray and Guitar Tuition Please. Yeah. Those are all at those That's are all at that next level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, so we, there's a few other horses we haven't hit on. Um, and those are all, you know, this is kind of a wide open race. You give those horses a chance to win, not as much, but you wouldn't be shocked if they won and you'd be even consider playing them at the right price. So, um, you know, those are like, like legit win contenders, even though they're sort of in the third tier. Um, so what else do you have in here? Um, yeah, I think that's the one that's, horse. That's the, yeah, I guess I would say I would throw the one in there. You know, we, we, just saw DeCoin put this one against allowance ranks for time and again, he was seeing something. And then when he, when he did finally decide to drop, you know, we were caught, you know, wide the whole time and against the forward race flow. And, um, we didn't see much. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that horse run well, but the more I think about that horse, the more I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, underneath, you know, I think, I think that horse underneath. Gets, okay. So that's a notch yeah. below those, that third tier of contenders. This is like an underneath only. Okay. Oh, what about yeah, the four horse by Bayou Sarge? Yeah, Bayou Sarge. Um, I'd say yeah, that's uh, both of those. Yeah, he, you know the the gelding aspects. I'm like, all right, there's there's a reason for possibly improvement. Um, I think Castillo got a win for Broussard here today, earlier on the card while we've been talking. So that could be a sort of a an interesting little little. little uh, Team going on there, um, yeah. I mean, by Sarge, I would I would put that same as the one, and that that third spot could run, could right, run, right. or sorry, could run third, could run underneath, and could run third. All right, and what about um, uh, 
the eight horse Zong Tough. Zong Tough. That a toss. Yeah, I ran. ran what a, about a seven on Thurgraf and that that race on June twelfth? And it was just a perfect setup, small field. Just a, you know, we're never going to see that again. So I'm I'm tossing that guy. I don't think he. All right. What about never, the ten? And the ten, you do nineteen. No, no, not nothing. Toss. All right. Okay, so I think we caught them all. So bottom line <laughs> there is we've got this is a big field, um, and that's typically where you might find some value. It looks like you know you had kind of war count, the most likely winner, sort of on his own tier. Um, and it's interestingly, he is the favorite, but you know from a morning line standpoint, seven to two is a pretty pretty high price. So you got him at the top, and then you've got got um the two arctic rose three wise guy and five gallant star all at that next level of wind contention they're not at the same level as war count but a notch below and then you've got a group of horses that you think are all um at the next level they have a chance to win um enough to where you could consider them for win bets and that's the the six to ill at back, the seven I'm in the catbird seat, the 11 JB Gray, and the 12 guitar tuition, please. So those, and then then you've got a couple, one Saurus and four Bayou Sarge that are kind of underneath only, and a couple tosses with eight Zong Tong and 10 Juju 19. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a, a slog to go through all the horses but in the big field is important because where you might be surprised is you know even those horses without a lot of a chance to win are still have some chance and they're reducing the chance of the horses that you think are contenders so a lot of times people will under or overestimate the likelihood of the horse they like in a big field you know especially you see this the most in like the Kentucky Derby with 20 horses, people just have no feel for what, you know, to play in a 20 horse field. And they might think, wow, I'm getting eight to one on this horse. That's great right. value. Well, in a normal, like eight horse field, that might be great value, but in a 20 horse field, eight to one, unless you really, you know, think the horse is, 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 you know, much better than most of the others, then, um, it's probably not as good a price as you think. So. That's where making the fair odds line forces you evaluate all the horses and you, you can see that reflected in the odds line. So I'm going to create the fair odds line now and send it to you so we can talk about it. So give me a minute to do that. And then we'll talk about what does this tell us in terms of how we want to play this race. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be so I'm really me, interested because like I was. Let yeah, me do that real quickly. So many horses who, uh, who are peak my interest, but. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, that, that nine does seem pretty dangerous in here. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that because maybe this is a race where you're, you're not going to, you can focus on maybe some vertical plays keying the nine on top with some of your prices. So we'll, we'll right. see how, what the odds line tells us. So now you have the odds line in front of you. I sent it to you so we can take a look at it. Um, yep. This one's a little more interesting. Um, it's uh, based on, Way I captured your opinion, it uh, ha identifies oh, five different horses where there's there's a, a slight 
Well, at least in all, let's see. Take that back. There's three horses, really. I kind of color-coded this incorrectly. So um, ignore the way I colored that at um, what I sent you. But really, there's three horses in here that kind of offer some value. And your most likely winner or count is kind of fair value. It says the fair odds are 7 to 2, and the morning line odds are 7 to 2. So it kind of it's it's saying that um, you know it's so that you're basically the fair odds match morning line. Do you think that morning line is going to hold up on that horse? You think it's going to be seven to two, or do you think it's kind of obvious and the crowd's going to yeah. bet that horse down below that? They they bet them. They bet the favorites are at fairgrounds. I mean, like that race I was talking about that sort of popped up earlier that was a similar sort of deal with like a front runner Shane Wilson horse, I think. Yeah, at the end, got that down to three to five, you know, it was like at six to five, you know, at, at post time and then boom, three to five. So yeah, speed and, um, uh, yeah, I think it'll be below. So we're five. not thinking we're going to get the morning line on this below, horse is what you're below, telling below, me. Seven, you, you'd be really no, surprised. Think, so I'd be surprised. So there's not going to be any value with him. Yeah. And I, I kind of agree with you to me, that horse yeah. sort of looks kind of obvious. I mean, the only question with him is uh you know it's been a while since he's run yeah but um the trainer does pretty well off the layoff and you know it looks like he's controlling speed you know there's a whole bunch of like you already talked about it so let's assume there's not gonna be any value there um so what it's telling you outside that is there's like three horses that you identified kind of in that tier three of contenders where you thought any the, these horses they're not nearly as likely to win as war count but they're likely enough to consider and that was the six steal it back who uh at 15 to one morning line the fair odds are just a little about the same and i'm in the catbird seat again fair odds morning line about the same slightly less um but jb gray is the one horse where you know it has the fair odds a 14 to one and a morning line of 20 to one. So that's the one horse, but you know, of those three horses, if we think the, um, favorite's going to get bet well below that three, you know, seven to two, is there a chance any of those three, six, seven or 11 kind of get overlooked and, you know, they're 20 to plus to one at post time, you know, between the yeah. six, seven and 11. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in and, terms of, Feel it back, Patricia West. They don't bet her horses very hard, and you know JB Gray. I think that's. I think it's a pretty. Um, you know, I think it. it I don't think that the, it'll be an obvious you know horse without watching the races back. So I think that's going to offer some some you know potential value. So this would be a race then where you'd watch the odds board, and with the six, seven, eleven, you might. And again, the amount you bet would not be like a prime bet because we, we already acknowledge these horses are kind of a tier three contender, right? Their likelihood of winning is probably more in the, you know, the, um, uh, you know, 10% chance to win kind of range plus or minus a few percent. So they're not high likelihood winners, but there could be some value if they, you know, they float up to 20 to one plus and you might make a little bet on one of those to win. And if you get a couple of those at a big price, they might even be something you could like box in an exactor or something. It's a low, it's a low strike rate kind of play, but 
Um, you know, if you get the big price, this is a chance maybe to hit, you know, a big exactor or a big win price. Now, if if we didn't think war count was going to get pounded, then you might even be able to use them in exact as underneath war count. But if you think war count's going to get bet way down, you know, to even money or something, even though they're long shots, there's probably not a lot of value there. But that's one other thing you can could consider if war count doesn't get hammered. Um, or even if he does, and you see, you know, you might get some really big prices with him on top of either the six, seven, or eleven. That would be a way you could look at. Um, even in the in the try, you know, with him on top of those horses, you know, that's where you could figure at least you're going to get some value underneath. Assuming that you do that, they do get overlooked like we think they might. Now, if if uh, we look at the will pays and steal a back to eight to one then we're not going to play that. But if we look at the will pays and steal it backs 25 to one based on the doubles, all of a sudden that horse might be something we put a little win money on. And if uh, one of the others seven or 12, 11 are in the same kind of position, maybe we can even play some exactas. And then we can look at what the, what you're getting in terms of, you know, uh, value underneath war count, even depending on how they play him. So that's kind of how you could use the value line, even on those vertical plays. Um, the other thing is you could look at, we talked about that prior race where you like, you know, the five. If you got, um, maybe you get like your fairer odds lies two to one, and maybe the horse is going off at five to two. So maybe you don't want to make a win bet, but you could look at the doubles into the 10th race and maybe hook that one up with the six, seven, or 11, depending on what they're, you know, what those are paying, you know, that might be a nice kind of long shot double play you can make with one or two or all three, depending on how the, the race gets bet. Um, you know, that's a way you might be able to uh, leverage a little bit of value on the five and a little bit of value in the 10th on those long shots into a, a pretty good play. Again, it's not one you'd make a huge bet on, but, you know, it's one where you, some kind of investment and maybe have anticipate some long-term you know value there so i don't know how you would yeah. normally approach it yeah i like that I, I i do i do the double a lot i think that's that's a great way to work with you know try to try to i think it we were talking with uh with paul matisse about finding multipliers right multiplying value right if i really do love right. Ray, how can i how can you know i can find opinions nearby to, to really make that into a valuable play if it's not offering it, you know, there in the, in the wind pools. And yeah, I, I think those are the ones that it's, it's, it's interesting to see it's, it's sort of come back this way and see, you know, Arctic Rose and Gallant Star and, and Wise Guy also, and Guitar Tuition, please, you know, according next to the fair odds, they are, they look like they're going to be serious underlays, which I, you know, I think those are the obvious ones that betters will, will go towards. Um, outside of a workout, so that, it's a it's a good yeah, betting race. That's a good point. That, yeah, you can peel out um, which what what the alternatives are, and if I not liking the alternatives, sort of uh, makes it makes it a bettable race for me. Yeah, and that's a good like point. You know, you thought Arctic Rose and you thought Arctic Rose and Bayou Sarge weren't weren't good value, but you still had to admit they they probably had as good a chance to win as what say Wise Guy. So yeah. you have to rate them that way, but you can still see that your fair odds line tells you that they're not good value, right? You don't want to just make that assumption and and not 
you know, and underestimate their actual chances of winning, just let the fair odds line point to you to where the value is. And it worked in this case, you know, in your mind, you thought Arctic Rose is an underlay. And in fact, based on your um, the fair odds line, he is an underlay, right? Even even though you made him a win contender, he didn't. He's still an underlay, right? Yeah. So that and that's that's got an interesting one because I was like, ah, maybe they'll sleep on Wise Guy. You know, maybe that that one won't come through. And but really, I think maybe I'm just kind of fooling myself. You know, they probably they probably bet that one as well. So it's interesting how I can kind of get behind one underlay in my when I'm cooking value into my handicapping, um, but not another. And maybe that's uh. I like that. This is helpful to sort of just make it black and white as opposed to, you know, conflated um, when I'm handicapping and thinking through, you know, it's, it, it, there's value in, in being against those, those second, third, fourth choices. So this could be just a big, you know, key war count on top. And uh, assuming this is sort of what we're looking at with, with the, uh, the odds, um, you know, just, uh, I could just, Catching a price under all these underneath you know, a big, you know? big price underneath. Right. You, you, because your opinion is these potentially big prices have a legit chance to win. Not as as much a chance as the other contenders, but legit enough to make a play like that. And and, you know, if not win, at least run second um, and beat those other, um, you know, uh, horses beyond besides war count who you kind of have on his own tier. So, you know, that that's kind of where it's at. And. Don't forget that, you know, Arctic Rose, Wise Guy, and Gallant Star, you know, their fair odds are, you know, six and a half to one. It's pretty high. But if they pound, do pound more count, say down to four to five, one of those three might go off at double-digit odds and be a play. Right. You know, maybe Arctic right. Rose turns out to be a player, Wise Guy, or Gallant Star. So, you know, you still have that possibility. Now, I, I don't know if you anticipate that, but I mean, at least you've got that odds line and you can look at the double will pays and see what the estimated off odds are and see if there's a surprise in there where one of those does get overlooked. Um, and again, that's the value of having an odds line for every horse. And if you trust your odds line, then, you know, you might find a bet with a horse that you were thinking you wanted to fade, like Arctic Road, you know, maybe it for you'll be surprised. And then everybody jumps on war count and Arctic Rose floats up well above the morning line. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if it does, you're, you're ready to pounce. Um, if that's right. the case. And the other thing I'll point out, just you will find cases where you've got like these high probability, most likely winners that just aren't good win bets. And, you know, war count, if he's anything close to his morning line, he probably won't be probably both of us are real, real surprised if he's above it. But if he doesn't get hammered, say he's three to one or five to two, you know, he's no value in the wind pool, but you might be able to get, you know, him on top of some of those long shots in the exacta. Um, and then if we go back to the prior race, that five of who, um, you know, the fair odds are two to one. You're thinking probably going to go off at about that price. Um, not a lot of value to win, but that's a really good example of a horse where now if you had had something underneath in that race that you could play, you could hook up with and maybe the, you know, at post time, the odds will, will point out somebody else in there that you could play an exact underneath him. But we do know for sure that, or, or we're pretty confident that there's going to be some long shots that are live in that next race that you could play doubles to Ovoatu. Um, so that kind of leverage a slight, if he's just a slight 
um, overlay. Now you can multiply that with a long shot in the next leg, and you know your its value multiplied by value. You know that's where you can make a score. So you know that that looking at your opinion and kind of how it shakes out. You know if we're right, the war count's going to get bet significantly below his price, and uh, those long shots in that race might float up to twenty to one plus. And we're right that Ovois is probably going to get bet down a little bit below the morning line, but probably be pretty close to fair odds. You know, that's probably the play is hooking that one up with some of those live long shots in the next leg and the doubles. That's probably the best value play you've got in this sequence based on, you know, the way you've doped it out. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, one thing I'm always trying to do as well is, is to think in terms of, you know, my handicapping opinions, but also sort of how they work together in terms of, you know, building out pick fives, building out multi-race wagers. And I'm not saying this is necessarily a race where I would want to go against war count, but um, identifying these horses that, that will, you know, that could, you know, offer value um, in one of the legs can be really helpful, right? In terms of, in terms of building tickets, in terms of seeing where you're going to get equity and, and having that built in. And, um, this, uh, this is interesting because it th- makes me think like, all right, yeah, you know, why waste my money on, on, you know, these second, third choices, Arctic Rose, Gallant Star, wise guy, you know, when if, if people get off of, you know, work count, they go deeper than that. They're probably going to go to those horses. Right. And possibly right. even, uh, Getting away from, uh, getting away from, yeah, guitar tuition, please, and Bayou Sarge too. There's not too much meat on that bone too, right? So, um, but JB Gray, you know, that sort of horse might be the type of one where you're like, all right, I don't want to go deep and you know do a hundred dollar ticket that tries to be war count, but it might be worth it to do something skinny, an eight dollar ticket that just uh, singles JB Gray in that last leg, and and just to sort of be open to that, that. Uh, that huge, you know, value proposition of, of beating all those horses in this last leg. Um, it could be good. And it looks, then the carryover is happening. It's only, it's only, it looks like it's only about $30,000, but uh, they missed in the early pick five today. So there'll be, there'll be some money waiting for us uh, tomorrow uh, when we come to that late. Yeah. Pick five. And with the pick five, that's a whole nother discussion. And it depends on all the other legs, but I mean, just looking at this, you know, based on your opinion, you know, I, I could see you singling the five of Y in the ninth and singling the nine war count in the 10th. And if you did that and your prime ticket, and then maybe uh, you could have a second ticket where you try to beat war count with one or two of these long shots, maybe in all three. And where if you're right on the other legs, you know, you got a chance for, you know, the the big price in this last leg. Um, But that would be a small play you know, most of your money, your main ticket would be with war count on top and of law on top. And, you know, right there, if you're singling two horses, you know, that's pretty powerful. And your pick five with, with a little small backup with some real long shots, um, you know, that that's not a bad starting point for the pick five. You know, we haven't talked about the other three races. And given that we're kind of two hours in, I think I'm this might be about all we try to cover today. I think we kind yeah. of have the main points. But as we look at the at the other races and everyone can go out and look at uh you can we can tweet out the link kevin on to your um playbook when you put it out there and then take a look at your opinion on the other races but um you know 
having two singles in a sequence is really cuts the math is really works in your favor because uh you know if you can find and you're not getting a lot of value in those two but you're not losing a lot either at least with ovoir we don't feel like we're losing a lot and if people pay attention to the morning line like they often do in horizontals you know even war count may not um be that bad of a you know you might not be losing a lot of equity especially when you're singling it you're really not losing equity when you single you're just not necessarily gaining it um but you're really cutting down your combinations with those two singles without giving up you know without you know zeroing in on a two to five shot and so that opens things up where if you can find some value in those earlier legs um you might have a work especially with a carryover you know something worth playing in terms of the pick five and there's a low takeout at fairgrounds or pick fives i think 15 percent if my memory serves me right and yeah it's not yeah. no there's no consolation so it's about as good a pick five as there is in terms of there's a few lower prices but 15 percent is a good price relative to most tracks especially without a consolation and with a carryover on top of that um probably a sequence that's definitely worth um, taking a look at in especially if you've got opinions sort of like yours where you've got a couple horses you can lean on in the later legs and maybe a couple of live long shots to throw into a, a backup ticket when i call it when i say backup ticket it's not being defensive it's really being aggressive here you know you're you don't you know you know you you, you respect war count but there is that chance where you got a couple of long shots that could blow it up and rather than throwing them in caveman style and multiplying your ticket by three, if you're smart and play a separate ticket with those horses and maybe your strongest opinions in the other legs, you know, you can get them in to onto your ticket for a lot lower price. That's why, you know, playing multiple tickets versus going to a caveman is so much better, especially when you got potential single or strong lean like war count or au revoir. You know, if you throw in another horse, in a caveman ticket, you're doubling the cost. Um, and, you know, typically you don't want to double the cost unless you, if you include a favorite, if you're including somebody with the favorite and you're doubling your cost, that, that's probably not a good ticket. So, um, but yeah. if you're, there's an example of like in this 10th race where you think war count's kind of solid, but you got a couple of live long shots that just might surprise you know you play that main ticket with war count keyed and then you you're um play a, a small aggressive ticket with your long shots and so it's not defensive defensive would be like playing it with arctic rose and wise guy you know right and gallant star you know those horses are the second third you know they're the, as in, in the a b c d at third b c and d playing b c and d with a on a caveman take is terrible but you know even playing the super long shots um on a caveman ticket when you know they have a lot significantly lower chance than war count probably isn't the way to go but if you create a second ticket with just those on it and just your strongest opinions in the other legs um you know a small ticket then you got a shot at that big price if you're really right on the prior legs you know you got a shot at a monster score in the last leg if you're not perfect than the other legs but you're pretty good then you still could be live to war count in that last leg assuming of course you've created you know you've got some value in those earlier legs you know if if every leg looks like these first two or you're kind of leaning on the favorite and every one then you probably need to pass the sequence but if there's one or two right. legs where 
you can fade the favorite and get some value, um, then all of a sudden it becomes very interesting, especially with the carryover. Yeah, it, it's it, it will be. It's one of those sequences where um, I've got chalk uh, on top and and uh, the other two stakes as well with Broad and Brow and the first leg. Um, just just a, a really really strong horse in there and overcharged in that uh, race eight. And so it's 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 one that people are going to be leaning very heavily on those on those uh, well known commodities of Broad and Brow overcharged and uh, uh, Uber is a little bit less. As, as as much so if you do have a, a a different opinion you can you know it might be worth it to build a bigger ticket if you do think those those horses are vulnerable because there'll be a lot of money on that uh on those sides of the coin for sure um but yeah it, it, with with that carryover money it could be an interesting uh sequence to play maybe in that seventh race you got that nice maiden uh turf sprint um it does seem like there's uh some interesting ones bully's got a Interesting horse number eleven, Wonder of You, second time out, seems to have some speed and speed's been holding pretty well. So there could be some spots where you can still get some value and, and lean on lean on those favorites and those other legs. Um Yeah, but, it, uh, it does look like it could be it does look like it'd be a chalky sequence. Yeah, so it does. That, with the yeah. yeah, with the carryover, you still you know, if you think this chalk is strong in every leg and there's some value just because you've got a, of the carryover, you know, all of a sudden it might even be a positive, you know, I don't know what, how much money will get bet in. Maybe it'll get swamped by the new money, but at least, you know, you're going to have a reduced takeout. You know, if you're, if you're still thinking it's going to chalk out, just make sure you don't start including favorites with other horses. Um, and think about multiple tickets. Maybe you play one ticket where it's chalk. Um, but then play some tickets where you've got chalk with at least, you know, one or two legs where you've got a price. And like you said, that, uh, you know, that maiden race is one place you may get the price. A problem is that's kind of the obvious leg where everyone's right. going to be looking right. for a price. So, yeah, the, the maiden you, and the you know, ideally it yeah. would be nice if there's one of those favorites besides yeah. that turf race where you can fade them, you know, whether it's brawn and brow. Um, or uh, let's see who's the favorite or overcharge or of or um, war count, you know, if it's, yeah. you know, you gotta, you probably want to fade one of those. Um, uh, and then maybe look for a price in that spread leg too. But um, you know, in order to make it really worth the play, you know, and or you could just make like I think you were saying something like this before. You know, maybe you're playing chalk and just trying to fade. You know, the one race where you're going to try to fade is fade um, war count and try to catch one of your prices. Just play a small ticket. That's if you think all the chalk is strong. You know, you just you don't have to make a big play. Um, maybe you just take a shot, and if you get lucky and cat can beat war count and catch a price in that race, and you know it chalks out otherwise, you make a nice score. There's a lot yeah, of ways you yeah. can go. There's no right or wrong. Um, although I guess there are some, you know, some of the wrong things are, you know, play A, B, C, D, you know, in every race is not a good thing. So, you know, you, you, you can't be playing the favorite and the second favorite and the third favorite and the fourth favorite in a leg. You know, that's just bad. That's bad ticket construction. Um, if you like the favorite, um, you kind of like to, you kind of almost have to single. Um, 
to be efficient in those multi-race wagers. Yeah, I agree. Or at least lean on it heavily, right? If you're if you're playing multiple tickets, lean on it heavily. Um, and if you're gonna play anything else other than the favorite, it should be like the example we gave, where you're looking for prices in that second ticket, not the second and third choices. You know, yeah, that, I think not, that's, that's not knowing where your knowing where your valuable opinion is, right? Where that where that equity is, right? Even if you do like that favorite in there, and you use that one. Um, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're adding extra into that leg, why? You know, is it because you know you've got value in this, you know, eight to one horse in the last leg that you just want to be able to catch that value no matter what, uh, because you're pretty sure about that one is going to come home for you, um, or something like that. But yeah, knowing knowing where that uh, where that valuable opinion is 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 very key. Yeah, and you know using all the pools available, the ones that were your opinion, you can leverage your opinion best. You know, in this case, uh, it's probably going to be the double pool between in those last two races where we were au revoir. You maybe can play au revoir in, in doubles with a couple of those longer priced horses that you think, you know, have a shot at winning. You know, that might be the best play. Um, regardless of what else you do on the card, right? Make sure you do that, and maybe you can hit. And then, then, even if you don't use them in the pick five, or you don't hit the pick five, you're you're dead. You're not live to those in your pick five. Even if you if you play a ticket with them, you still have a chance to hit the double, right? Or right. So, you know, that's what you want to use all the pools, but you only want to make the bets that have value, or there's some value. And if you can leverage value, you know, multiple chances at value, like within an exact or a trifecta or, or a double or a pick three, great. You know, multiply that value is great. So you're only betting where you've got an edge and you're only betting in a way that's consistent with your opinion of the race. You know, if you don't want to be, if you think a favorite's vulnerable, you don't want to be using it defensively and playing boxing it on top and exactus and throwing it into your picks. And if you think a horse is only an underneath use, it can't, it's very unlikely to win. It's, the value is underneath, then that's how you use it. You're not boxing it on top. You know, you got to make sure that your opinion, your bets match your opinion. That's really important. So you do that, look for value. Make sure your bets match your opinion. Use a systematic approach to evaluating every race so that you can establish a baseline and evaluate your performance over time and, and make changes to improve. Um, and then, you know, use a fair odds line as that tool that translates your opinions on the race into a tool to help you identify, you know, value and make good bets. Now that's kind of what I was hoping you would, the listeners will get out of this. And then maybe also throw in, you know, think wisely about weight race selection so that you don't waste a lot of time on races that are unlikely, unlikely to, to make uh, a profit betting either, you know, by focusing on the kind of races where your opinion is the sharpest and also you know, on those larger, more competitive race, larger fields, more competitive races where you're more likely to be able to, you know, the, the public might make a mistake that you can capitalize on. 
So if you do all that, I think you can improve your results. And if you're already doing all that, great. Hopefully you've been successful. Um, if you're doing most of that, great. Maybe there's a few things you can, you know, try out that might help improve your results. And uh, if you hate math, then the fair odds line just makes you gag just to think about trying to make one of those. Like I said, I'll throw this out as the teaser. Um, I I am working with some others to maybe create something that will do that for you and and help you translate your handicapping opinion into a fair odds line in a painless way that doesn't require any math. So um, anything else you want to add before we sign off, Kevin? Uh, just that, yeah, this is, this is really, uh, yeah, it's really helpful to think through. And I'm going to be betting these races with, uh, you know, with this initial fair odds line. But I know, know you also mentioned, you know, adding with the, the daily double um, information into it all. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I haven't, I haven't done it like this, so I can't wait to, uh, to take a swing with it. And the systematic, um, aspect of it all, I think is just really a big key to unlocking it. And the one that I'm still working on, you know, just knowing that this isn't the only opportunity it's about, you know, over, over time playing the, the opportunity, you know, whether it's this, you know, long shot or whether it's this sequence that, that I like, in the same way and trust that my, you know, my handicap opinion and recognition of value is, is sharp enough. And my edge is there that uh, it will come through into profits, you know, over a year and not just get caught up into, oh, I've got to cash this one right now. And if I don't, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be mad at myself and I'll kick myself because I think that's what gets, gets in my head sometimes and makes me, you know, like we are talking about, you know, use, use long shots defensively, you know, like, oh, I would hate if this horse won, even though I don't think it's, it's a likely, uh, likely winner. Um, so yeah, I think that systematic aspect of it, Chris, is just, uh, is so key. Yeah. And I will, um, I'll tweet out, you know, obviously a link to the pod and I'll tweet out, uh, a, the fair odds lines that we came up with in these two races, the ninth and 10th. Um, so the listeners can see that. Um, I know if you're just listening, it's hard to, to see the numbers in front of you. Uh, and then I will also tomorrow uh, update that with um, replace the morning line with the estimated odds based on the will pays. Um, once the prior race is over, once the eighth is over, I can do it for the ninth. And once the ninth is over, I can do it for the tenth. And I'll tweet that out so we can see. Oh well, well, looks like you know what, uh, you know, war count is going to be a good bet. Or you know what, they're pounding war count, but guess what? Wise guys, ten to one on the, um, you know, on the double will pays, or, you know, uh, we're getting thirty, you know, thirty to one on uh, JB Gray or steal it back. Um, and so we'll 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 see that. Now it doesn't mean the will pays are perfect predictors of the off odds, but they're an improvement over what we've got talking about a day in advance. And I think they're good enough to make you know with a, good, a fair odds line to make um, pretty good betting decisions. It doesn't mean you're not ever going to get surprised, but the number of surprises should go way down if you've been using the morning line or the tote, the wind pool tote board. Um, you know, using those will pays is a much better way to do it. And again, if you don't like to do the math, and you, there are some places you can get to that, including DRF formulator, 
and some of the tracks were actually shown in their live feed. I know Indiana Downs did it. I think there might have been another track that's done that, but hopefully all the tracks will start doing that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you won't have to do that. But if not, uh, I don't want I didn't want to spend time on how you create a fair odds line. It's really not that hard, but I know some people just hate any kind of math. So we're not going to talk about that here. And hopefully in the not too distant future, um, you'll have ways to, you know, get that information without having to do the math yourself. So with that, I think, uh, we're going to call it a day. I think we're a couple hours into this. Um, I didn't know how long it would take to get through a race. I was hoping maybe we do a few more, but I think we, you know, this wasn't about trying to, to tell you what to bet on on these two races. It was more to give you examples about how you can think a little differently uh, about how you play the game and approach, you know, being a horse player and start really having a systematic reliable way of identifying value and translating your handicapping opinion um, into good bets so with that i want to thank my guest kevin kilroy thank you kevin good luck tomorrow good luck on the meeting at fairgrounds and i want to thank all the listeners um, appreciate your support and your interest and may you all boldly go for no horse player has gone before. <laughs>